Welcome to Sparkler Podcast number 40. Today I am here with two wonderful creators. Hello, I'm Hildred, a author of Orange Junk. I'm Leanne. I'm um, I'm one of the editors of Sparkler, obviously, but I also do Tokyo Demons, so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Yay. Yeah, and we are here today to talk about serialization. Uh, mm. Obviously, this is kind of a, a very popular way to bring out comics right now because Literally everyone has a webcomic that goes up a couple pages at a time or whatever, or, you know, mm. a chapter at a time in certain in certain places, and particularly in, like, Japan, or in, you know, hell, in the English language superhero. board, too, with yeah. superhero comics. Uh, and floppies. it's more of a historical way to bring out uh, prose, but it's still something you see all the time in fanfic and, you know, certain literature magazines and stuff like that still do things by the chapter. But and movies, historically, and, when they used to do, like, Flash, Guard, Flash Gordon and stuff, like, little mini-episodes at the beginning or ending of another movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, both uh, Heldred and uh, Leanne uh, bring out their particular stories serialized, and we just wanted to talk with them a little bit about the process and how it differs from writing a story in a more traditional way and how you keep a story going when you, you don't really have it totally set up how you're going to end it or if you know how you're going to end it already and just you know how, how you keep producing on a schedule like that for well an incredibly long time yeah it's crazy <laughs> if you haven't read heldred's comic orange junk i think it's on chapter what like 34 34 or something it's something in the like <laughs> yeah. 650 ish page range at this point i believe uh Whoa. so obviously <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> Like, like we were we were talking before we started recording about like how Sparkler's been around for fifty seven issues and the podcast has been going for forty episodes. Well, uh, Heldred has been doing Orange Chunk for so many pages. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. How? I mean, and also you're kind of a machine when it comes to getting <laughs> the pages done, which is like you know something I'm sure a lot of people who do. Uh, you know, serialization. Wish they could. Wish they could have that kind of drive to do it. So, uh, do you have a secret <laughs> that you want to share with the audience? Oh well, I think over the time I learned to draw really fast because, well, since <laughs> so many of you know that drawing comics is more like a side job. I have a, a full time job, so I really need to shorten my time to draw. Mm-hmm. So that really made me learn to draw faster and write faster and do everything faster. So I had to learn a lot of shortcuts for everything. So if you analyze my story, <laughs> you're going to find out that I'm recycling a lot of backgrounds and mm. <laughs> some panels and, and such. Because that way it helps me to draw faster and finish my pages sooner to meet deadlines and such. Well, and, yeah. uh, I didn't notice that. So, and I've been editing your comic no. for like a long you know time. What? Good. <laughs> What's so incredible about you is like, you've been doing like 16 to 20 pages a month, like yeah. forever <laughs> on top of a full-time job. And your yeah. pages are black and white, but they are not simple. Like you have, there's a lot going on in every page. One of the reasons I like Orange Junk is it's such a dense comic. You get so much bang for your buck. Um, and I, I, don't, I mean, you said you recycle backgrounds. <laughs> I never noticed. I, I'm just in awe with how much that you can produce consistently. You almost never take a break. <laughs> well, Dad, my God, you're, you're so aspirational. Um, and I also like that your comic, and this ties into the, the theme of serialization, your comic works on three 
three different levels. Um, the first being you have thought about it in terms of books. And anyone who's actually read the Orange Junk uh, mm-hmm. books has probably seen that. We have it in ebook. Um, we also have three paperbacks out now. You think about it in terms of chapter. Every uh, Sparkler issue that comes out, you put the full chapter and it's got a beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. It's got a cover to it the way that they do it in Japan. Um, but your comic also really w- reads well on a single page basis because it's serialized one page at a time online. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because you, you the pages are so dense, like you get the stuff, you move through stuff quickly. The pace yeah. is fast. <laughs> So you've kind of got the triple whammy there about the three <laughs> different kinds of serialization, which is incredible. Most people struggle to do one or two of those, let alone all three, let alone every month forever, 16 to 20 pages. <laughs> yeah, but I, I know, I think I've noticed that, well, since, uh, if you see the, the first uh, volume, my chapters were kind of different. I think they were more fast-paced because I kind of... Uh, put together a lot of panels in a, in a single page mm. and well later on I learned to slow it slow down so you can read it easier and even a friend told me that they really saw a difference mm. from then and now and I think I learned to pace myself better I think it, it reads better now I'm I also had to think about the readers that that read on, online and not just on the on the book. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's important to to consider when you are doing an serialization. Yeah. 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 No, I I totally I totally agree. Though I can totally see what you mean about how uh, your style has evolved. And you know, it's funny because I feel like I've seen that in a lot of sort of things you'd classify as a shoujo romance where they start off mm-hmm. feeling like they've got to fill every page with 900 panels and that they're constantly yeah. <laughs> trying to, you know, push, 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 push the story along. And then once the characters are established and once the, the setting and the premise are all really well established, they can kind of chill out and have mm-hmm. those great big panels, particularly when the relationship starts to develop, as happens in Orange Junk. And oh, if yeah. you are not caught up with Orange Junk, you should oh, get God. caught up now. <laughs> as you know, just just throw that so out there good. to people. But uh, yeah. you know, because that's when you want to have the big, you know, two thirds of a page is somebody's face as they're saying something really dramatic and important yeah. or the, the embrace <laughs> yeah the close-up yeah all of those things okay. can i can i just bring up one of my favorite examples of orange junk that did this um okay. it's a slight spoiler but like again catch up guys this comic is so good because it was from one of the earlier volumes but there is a part where uh let's say Bruce has to impress a lot of people at once. And there's like all of this like kind of craziness going on. The panels are really dense. There are all these crowd scenes or whatever. And then his his big move, because he has to do like a big move, is he smiles very slightly. And it's like this (laughs) giant panel of like (laughs) and then the next page is just like the crowd going wide. Yeah, I think it creates a lot of I don't know. Like an emotion, like whoa, my god! Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, a big face, and then this handsome with a pretty smile, and so with a close-up. Yeah, yeah. A, a friend, the friend that read my comic, also commented on that. She said mm-hmm. that 
she was it was one of her favorite panels and pages mm -hmm. and she showed me the picture and I was like oh great <laughs> nice you liked it <laughs> oh yeah I think that was one of your one of your early defining moments in in paneling um how perfectly you did that and actually I think that when we maybe when we ran the orange junk kickstarter I think we might have used those as the example pages or something. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so great, Heldred. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, just, it slowed down at that perfect moment. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. So moving on to, uh, let's talk about Tokyo Demons a little bit, because, uh, Leanne, you're also someone who, well, you came out of, like, fan fiction as sort of where you got your start writing, and that has always been, like, largely serialized, unless you were doing, like, a one-shot or something like that. And I know back when you were a teenager, you used to do those, like, epic fantasy kind of stories, you know, where, where there was a lot of plot and you would bring it out once a week and people would, uh, would wait for it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's true that, like, you were saying about the uh, the fanfic world, that that's kind of how people ingest. That's also, I think, how a lot of people learn to write prose. So switching from comics to prose for a minute, because there, there are a lot of things that apply um, in, between both comics and prose, but there are a couple of things that are different. I found pretty early that one of the best ways to build an audience was just to have something coming out consistently. Like, there just had to be something every week that came out. One of my friends who I met in Toronto, she had apparently followed some of my fanfic back in the day. So when we met in real life. It was like really weird. because <laughs> She's like, did you write this thing? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like 15 years ago. Why? Wow. Um, but I, I was so re like religious about posting every week. And there was one week uh, when I was in high school where my father needed the phone to for like a, he was waiting for a business call. And this is back when the Internet was on dial up. So you needed to use the phone line. And I really wanted to upload my, you had to like kind of submit it to an archive, like you emailed it to them and they would post it for you. And I was begging him. I was like, you don't understand. A lot of people are waiting for this. I got to get this online. It'll just take a minute. The, the, the business call, just get a, a busy signal. They'll call back. And he's like, no, this is ridiculous. I don't know what you're talking about. You're using all these weird words. I don't think that's real. <laughs> what if you're talking about? And I was like throwing myself on the bed, sobbing. And when oh. I mentioned this, like, at, well, I mean, I was like 15, um, <laughs> maybe a little too old to be throwing my bed and sobbing Aww. over that. Okay, let's let's be real. When we were teenagers, sometimes you had to throw yourself on the bed sobbing. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's an emotional time. Sometimes, yeah, like, nobody, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know why you're building this up in your head. And when I mentioned this to her, like, casually at a party, she's like, I think I remember that week. And I wondered if something happened to you because you didn't <laughs> Can I take that home and show my father? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thankfully, no, we dial up, so it's less of an issue. But I, I, and this is something that we applied to kind of everything that runs in Sparkler. Heldrad came to us very good at this. Other people who came to us, I don't want to say they weren't good at it, but they were thinking in terms of books, like a lot of people were. They're like, okay, this is the beginning, middle, end of the book. It's like, great, can you break this down by chapter? Um, great, can you break this down by scene? and kind of keep the forward momentum going because assume that everybody on the internet has a super short attention span. Yeah. And also because- uh, No offense to our fans <laughs> who are reading this. <laughs> no, I'm not saying they do, I'm saying We all do. No, I know, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, I have one of the shortest attention spans of any adult I know. So I always base myself, like if I'm engaged, then you can engage mm -hmm. anyone, including like <laughs> five-year-olds. <laughs> uh, so I, I do think that like, as a consumer, because I read, I love serialized fiction as well. I think we all do. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the, 
that like dopamine hit <laughs> of when you learn a little bit more about what's happening. And then that like delicious anticipation of like, oh, I got to wait for more. Mm. And then like getting those more regular updates. So like I'm trying to compare it to, uh, well, in fan fiction days, coming home after school and knowing that today was like the new archive day, there was going to be new Sailor Moon fan fiction and being like, oh, my God, and dropping my backpack and like, <laughs> you know, waiting for those t- dot txt files to load because it could take mm. a while <laughs> on a dial up <laughs> um yeah and just kind of burning through you know everything and being like oh my god and then knowing that the next monday there was going to be more you know like mm-hmm. having something to look forward to on a particular day a week um it's kind of like ice cream fridays or like you know it just having that kind of schedule where you know you're going to get a small but satisfying treat and but you're going to get it regularly so you can always count on it like you can set your watch to that pleasure. Mm. I think that we're a little bit now in the culture of binging uh, because we have so much information that can reach us instantly. And because like models like Netflix were like, okay, let's try to do something different that nobody else is doing. Have everything <laughs> right yeah. now, as much as you want. And although there's, I do find that there's joy to kind of like taking your entire weekend and doing nothing but watch, you know, mm-hmm. whatever game of thrones or whatever you're watching and just literally not getting off the couch i don't know if you remember rebecca there was once we decided to just like mainline downton abbey like Mm -hmm. just we sat on the couch and we hit we traded hits off this two liter bottle of ginger ale and just like sat there for hours and watched the whole thing (laughs) and like that's enjoyable but i almost i I like that a lot less you know like i want that rarely that's got to be like Every once in a while I do that, but I want those little hits, the little hits of pleasure. Well, the, the nice thing about that, too, is that it when you have a lot of people getting the same hit at the same time, I mean, I think about when I think the, the most uh, the strongest uh, version of this in recent memory was when uh, when the U.S. election was going on and everyone was horribly depressed. But mm. but uh, uh, Yuri on Ice was coming out. And every yes. uh, every <laughs> week, it was like everyone would take a break from politics to talk about the new Yuri on Ice, and it was such a yes. breath of fresh air. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, and I mean most most TV shows are run still serialized. I mean, Netflix famously dumps everything at once, and also mm-hmm. kind of licensed the DVD market, so they're basically putting one season at a time up, um, mm-hmm. so people can binge if they choose. But yeah, there's just something about taking a break from your schedule to do something that you know is going to make you happy. And and because it's short, there's time in your schedule for it. There's always time that you can make. Mm-hmm. You can't always clear off an entire weekend and, you know, literally not change out of your pajamas and robe. And maybe you ate cake on the couch, too, like while watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> maybe you called delivery so you didn't have to get up or put on pants. But the important thing is, like, you can't do that all the time that's something that you do on vacation a couple times a year yeah but you can always find 20 minutes to watch yuri on ice and remember that love is real <laughs> yeah i've done that even at work i mean if you have like mm-hmm. 20 minutes uh, alone time <laughs> you go mm-hmm. on the computer and watch it on online maybe crunchyroll or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's there and you know that every Monday or every Tuesday, every week, you can see and have that moment of happiness for a short time, no? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the length of a lunch break, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I don't know 
I don't know about you guys, but like, I actually really like the experience of the cliffhanger. Oh, same. You know, I mean, it's it's hard if you don't know when it's coming back or if it's coming back like <laughs> three months from now. But That's if it's fair. like just till next week, that gives you so yeah. much to think about until next week, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see that with the single page comics, too. Like, um, if for anybody who follows the comments on our site, the Magical How fandom is oh. extra hilarious. <laughs> if page, they speculate wildly and there's like there's a very complicated system of speculation and shipping that's happening in the comments that I don't fully understand but everybody seems to be having a great time I know oh, oh, it's amazing it's, it's so much yeah. fun to read yeah. yeah they break down like every page by the you know by the panel by stuff you know referencing you know that they'll have citations they'll be like oh do you remember in panel four of this page like eight <laughs> months ago he said this was it the same guy was he referencing and and you know to her credit Eureka is very good at, at foreshadowing stuff there's mm. a lot of things in, in magical how that you know she was like oh and this is gonna happen I'm like whoa I feel like really you're gonna go there and she's like yeah don't you remember I meant you know some this person showed up and page blah 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 and I went back I'm like oh you're right yeah. it is here <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Well, uh, she's she's in Singapore, so her schedule is exactly twelve hours off from mine. So sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night to her like leaving some kind of incredible message about you won't believe what the comments think is gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, let's talk. Let's let's come around back to the process of writing a serial. So. I think usually the first question people ask is how much do you plan ahead of time compared to how much do you kind of do on the on the chapter level like like how do you how do you plan out an arc that might take a year you know mm-hmm. Well in my case I really planned ahead because I was drawing let's say chapter 4 but I had already written until chapter 20 so <laughs> Yeah, that way it helped me to to get the story more, um, I don't know, concise, more solid. Well, that way uh, you won't, uh, well, I won't uh, draw something on chapter uh, 10 that comes out of nowhere. So that way, I don't know, I think I have uh, an order into in doing things. So when you say it was written, was that just was it an outline or was it dialogue? Like, uh... Uh, yeah. Yeah, my scripts are mostly dialogues. Okay. Only sometimes I draw little thumbnail heads to <laughs> to emphasize uh, an emotion or an expression mm-hmm. or something like that. And sometimes I write some actions mm-hmm. uh, into parentheses <laughs> just to be clear about what's going on. But yeah, it's mostly dialogues. Oh, cool! So you've got you've got your your dialogue actually planned out quite a quite a bit ahead of time. Mm, yeah, yeah, but I think it this time it wasn't really planned that I was going to read that way. I mm-hmm. think I just uh, got really excited with the story and I wrote and wrote and wrote. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, nice. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, but it worked, so it was cool. Mm. <laughs> oh, I also had like a really big uh, writer's block uh, in the middle of the story, but mm. nobody noticed because I had already green ahead of time mm. so <laughs> I think that uh, writer's block uh, lasted about a year I think whoa yeah I, I didn't know what to do after 
well, uh, you know, the big moment mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that just happened <laughs> in some chapters ago. So that I was like, oh no, what's going to happen next? I didn't know. And I was thinking about a year and I'm, I'm really happy that I didn't uh, reach a point where I didn't know what to write as I was drawing. Mm. Yeah. So I think I was lucky then I, oh, I continue well. writing and... And then I finished the story, so I'm done now. <laughs> when you're about, you know, when you're like 15, 16 chapters ahead, having writer's yeah. block for a little while doesn't matter too much. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. actually a really good point. Like, I think that, um, you know, you, you describe this excitement when, when you get really into writing it or re- really excited about thinking about it or, you know, people's creative process will differ. But I think a lot of people who are creators do feel that excitement. That's what drives them to do it, right? Yeah. Um, you make a really good argument for not showing your whole hand right away. Like, mm. if you have stuff done in advance, either planned or literally finished, there's a lot of value to just not releasing it all yet, you know? Mm. Like, doing little pieces of it to kind of cover for you when you have that block. Um, oh, yeah. and, and also just so you don't, um, you know, you don't, get all your good like you want to kind of tease people out you want to keep them long term mm-hmm. um it's sort of like the equivalent of following a serial versus reading the ending on wikipedia like there's mm-hmm. going to be the two minutes of like oh interesting i didn't think it'd go in that direction mm-hmm. versus the you know three years of blissful agony trying to piece <laughs> this together you know and yeah. there have definitely been shows where i didn't feel like watching it so I just went to the Wikipedia and read the end, but that's usually... I, yeah. I do that for horror yeah. movies because I'm too much of a wimp. <laughs> yeah. I admit I did it for Stranger Things. Oh, um, really? All yeah. Right. It's not that I didn't like that show. It just... It took a long time, and I'm really busy. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, it, and I wasn't enjoying it enough, even though I think it's... it's I think it's a, a character drama. It's not even that much of a mystery. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mystery yeah. is kind of drawn out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I think that a, a really good serial where people like all the characters and stuff, you, you're reducing the likelihood that someone's going to just read the end on Wikipedia instead of, um, follow it. But yeah, yeah, it, it's good to, to not show your hand. I, th- you know, I really want to find a non-dirty way of saying this, but I cannot think of one, but, but don't blow your load. <laughs> like, <laughs> We use that term a lot, and I, I, there's got to be a non-dirty way of saying it, but I don't know what that is. But it's just like, don't have the fireworks at the beginning. Just, you know, you've got to have some kind of hook, but, you know, make them wait for it, you know? Mm. And, and it also allows me to change things when, I don't know, sometimes when I'm drawing it, I feel like maybe I should change this sentence or this dialogue. And then yeah. it changes the story a little. And because I have written ahead, I can change some parts and I have time to to still uh, move things. And, you know, I think yeah. that's helpful. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. I can't. Maybe it was a while ago. But there's something about serialization where you give yourself as the creator time to breathe and you give the audience time to breathe. Um, there's a new creative processes that happen once you start getting feedback from people. Um, Mm -hmm. there's also creative processes that happen as you grow, (laughs) like as a person, you know, like 
you might start something at one point in your life and then you go through different things in your life or just get older. Like, let's say you mm -hmm. start when you were 15 and you ended when you were 30. That's mm -hmm. a huge length of time to be thinking about the same sort of story. Yeah. The stuff that you value is going to change. Um, you're you're going to have different, you're going to be making different connections over time. So you're going to mm -hmm. think of something great that you wouldn't have thought of when you were just kind of churning it all out, you know, in one weekend, planning a year in advance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but also, it like, this is a little bit more superficial, but, well, okay. Sometimes the circumstances of the world change and the kind of story that you want to tell changes. Yeah. So sometimes this is in a really positive way where it's like, oh, maybe I was really ignorant about this thing that I was trying <laughs> to. Maybe this yeah. was kind of racist and I didn't realize. Uh -huh. And you grow up and you're like, whoa, I'm going to change all of these things and, yeah, yeah. and not try to do a better job. And now that I've you know read more feminists of color telling me things, I'm not going to do that. Like I, <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, things like that. Um, I think a lot of people feel that way about talking about gender and mm. um, stories that play with gender where mm. like gender swab and people in drag was like a really common trope. Mm. And now people are like, can we have actual transgender stories? Those are not the same thing, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh, that's a really good point. Is is this the kind of story that you're trying to tell or not? You know, um, but also in a more depressing way, it's like. Well, I think about the story um, X by Clamp. I don't know if you, I don't know, Becca's familiar. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was called X 1999 mm -hmm. uh, in, in America. But it, it was always kind of on hiatus or whatever. And mm -hmm. it was about the end of the world. And I think it kind of got canceled after the earthquake. No. It was way earlier. I think, I don't remember the year, but I think it was in the 90s or... Even well, it, it was on hiatus a lot, but there was a mm -hmm. point where it was officially kind of kicked out of the magazine that was it was in. Mm -hmm. um, and there were circumstances that I think had to do with natural disasters that were happening in Japan, and they didn't want a story about the end of the world. Now, I'm not entirely sure that's what happened. That was kind of rumored. I definitely know that there were episodes of certain shows and stuff that were about, say, a school shooting, and then a school shooting happened, and they didn't air it. Mm, um, yeah, there were episodes of The Simpsons that were about the Twin Towers that they didn't air for like years after 9-11 happened. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's all kinds of things where the world changes and you're like, this no longer kind of feels like a good story to tell in mm -hmm. this climate. A, mm -hmm. a really interesting article I read the other day on Vox because Lillian um, linked to it was about the Ready Player One reception. So you guys are. Probably oh, yeah, yeah. That. Everybody's favorite punching bag, Ready Player One, the <laughs> self-indulgent white male fantasy about being a gamer and how you would save the world and get all these women. Mm -hmm. And when it first came out, it was basically pre-Gamergate and the book was pretty well received. Even the people who knew it was not for them, mm -hmm. like they were like, oh, you know, it's self-indulgent fantasy. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And then Gamergate happened. And now that the movie is here. This is no longer seen as an innocent fantasy that mm -hmm. it's like it feels like it's it's part of that, you know, white male entitlement in gaming circles where they get to be the center of the universe and they'll just, you know, at the at the cost of letting anyone else in that it's not an innocent self-indulgence anymore because they used it to, you know, harass with death and rape threats, women on the internet trying to do anything, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like pretending that it was like, oh, it was about something other than what it was, which was just gatekeeping and like, like violent gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. So like 
that's a pretty good example of like maybe maybe you shouldn't have done a Ready Player One movie now. I mean, it's better now than in the really bad throws of Gamergate, I guess. <laughs> but it's something where it's like this story just it, it was from a different time, you know, a different time, like three years ago. Too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very easy to say that about things like Huck Finn, which is like, you know, hmm. a product of his time for sure. But like, even just within a couple of years, climates can change. Uh, the publishing industry can change. The kinds of stories that people want. Maybe there's a new way that p they started polling people about what they wanted. And the new poll asks all kinds of people who never asked before. And all of a sudden, that stuff you thought was popular is not what people want, you know, like there are and, all kinds of things that can change. And the problem with traditional publishing is three years is about how long it takes to get a book from concept to print. So true, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I should say this is kind of like, we're lucky that we're, you know, on the internet and we can do yeah. this thing kind mean, of immediate. It's, it's a bit faster for us, but still getting a book to print is like a yeah. month, many month long process. Just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is, but like it, I think that in although we are equipped to deal with changes in culture pretty quickly, um, the the uh, the downside of that is like we have to be sensitive to changes in culture. People mm -hmm. expect us to like, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. they know that that decision was made a couple months ago, not a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Ready Player One was probably optioned before Game Gate, you know? Yeah. So, movies take fucking forever <laughs> yeah no i mean that's one of those things like when there's a movie that gets canned because of like an event that happened in the world or something like that yeah. you always feel a little bad because it's like oof you've been working on this forever and now all of a sudden yeah. like you know it's like your your violent action movie comes out right after the wrong shooting or the wrong event you know oh, and it's like oof, i feel bad for <laughs> everybody who worked on that because now you're getting you know pushed aside <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah actually that happened when i was writing orange junk um i realized that when i was drawing i, I don't remember chapter you know 23 or something i reached to a point where i was reading my scripts that i wrote when i was like 18 mm -hmm. <laughs> or something and i was like oh my god what am why did i write this is so sexist <laughs> or so I don't know, so childish, and you know, I shouldn't have written this. So, so I changed it because I knew that if I had drawn it exactly that way, it would cause problems. And yeah, mm. and yeah, you have to be like conscious of what's going on in, at the moment. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, just you changed. <laughs> like yeah. you don't feel like, oh, that's not a good message anymore. <laughs> like maybe when you were little, you were like. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, God, uh, the stuff I wrote when I was, like, not even that, you know, 10 years ago. It's stuff where it's like, I, I wasn't a kid. But, yeah, I was really ignorant about so many things. And mm -hmm. thank God I didn't do more, <laughs> like, on that track. That I mean, I, there's still stuff that I'm humiliated that I wrote. Um, but, like, no, nothing, there was no misstep that was so huge that I'm, like, anxious to scrub it from the internet thank god <laughs> <laughs> oh i know yeah <laughs> yeah mm. yeah i i personally i like um i mean like i liked having an ending for things like a beginning and an ending and a general middle 
Uh, I like leaving a lot of space in the middle because my attention span is so short and I get bored. I don't want to think every single thing through. I want to, I want to have that time to really ruminate and kind of, you know, long walks with my headphones on thinking about cool ideas or, or images or scenes or characters or whatever, and then have time to implement them in a long story like that. Because mm-hmm. this, you know, I, I feel very strongly about that breathing, that breathing space. Um, and every creator is kind of different. I'm sure there are some people that start something and they, they need it all planned out and, you know, it's it's not going to change. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there are people like that. But especially with something that takes a really long time, Orange Junk is a good example. Um, Toki Demons, we planned for 10 years before we even started <laughs> it. And now mm. it's, you know, <laughs> year. It took me about five, six years to do the, the first series. And we've been working on Ghosts as well. So, like, we're, we're coming up on 20 years <laughs> working God. on this. Yeah. yeah. Just... When I think about how it started, and it's like, God, it, it bears so little resemblance to to where it was. And, and that's how I like it, because mm-hmm. I get bored so quickly. If I knew <laughs> what was going to happen, I don't know. Like, if I knew too much of what was going to happen, I was going to get bored of it. So, like, I liked having, okay, I know this is where this chapter has to end. How am I going to get there? Let me spend the next week thinking about this little chunk here. Um, and that's another point, too. When we talk about serials... Um, cliffhangers right mm-hmm. that that beautiful agony <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of a good cliffhanger and how i think some people i i think that there's some creators who worry that oh they have to have really good cliffhangers or they have to have no cliffhangers mm-hmm. when there's so many different kinds of cliffhangers that you can employ mm-hmm. just something that makes people want to come back the next week mm-hmm. like and this is something where, you know, as we've worked with so many different Sparkler uh, creators, and I, I felt this really strongly in prose because I think a lot of the prose people I worked with were, were especially thinking in terms of the whole novel and not quite as much in the chapter level. But just like sometimes ending things a little bit sooner or a little bit later <laughs> made it better. <laughs> like literally a couple paragraphs, like on the beginning or the end, just kind of framing the idea a little bit differently so that it like is a question instead of a like it's a question mark instead of a period mm-hmm. um with a couple exceptions there, there's every once in a while it's nice to have a really kind of satisfying end point that still makes you want to continue mm-hmm. um a good example of this is sort of the end of a book in a series where it's like okay i feel like there's we did it now on to the next bad guy basically you know it's like you're leveling up kind of like we we beat the first boss time to move to mid boss in book two uh, even <laughs> though mid boss sometimes like prom like if you're <laughs> mid boss is prom yeah right. and, and you can do that on the chapter level as well where it's just like some chapters are really satisfying you're like oh i'm so glad they're happy oh i can't wait to see you know they're going out now let's see if they make out next week you know mm-hmm. like that orange junk is a great example of that when certain romantic developments happen. And I'm like, well, now I got to see how they <laughs> life in this this new reality for them. Mm. Oh, yeah. I really had fun with those cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so nice. Really good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Just stuff like someone you didn't expect showed up or... I, it, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's sort of like... There, when you think about a scene, what's going to be in it, 
there's always a place where you can like twist it just a little bit Mm -hmm. so that the it's it's a little surprising at the end Mm -hmm. or or it's especially compelling at the end orange junk is great at that where it's just people where it's like they're having a conversation and somebody asked them a question that they weren't expecting and they're like, what? And then it ends, you know? So <laughs> I think what is it going to answer? Yeah. I, th- I think what you were saying about it being compelling is a really good thing because I feel like there is also sort of this feeling that it always has to be a cliffhanger in the oh my gosh sense where you don't know what's about to happen. But sometimes having it be at that really compelling moment where something is settled but you don't know what's going to happen after that. So where where you you end it at the most satisfying moment instead of at the moment where you're like, what's going to happen next? The moment where you're like, oh my God, it all just came together. And then you mm-hmm. don't show the aftermath yet. You just show that moment and that's where you end it. And I definitely, mm-hmm. when, I, when I've been working with some of our other comic artists, there's, there have been times where I'm just like, that right there, that's your final panel and just cut it there. And, you know, yeah. like... Like you, you can you can just see you know this is something I, I feel like when I'm when I'm editing and when I'm coaching with people it's always about like find the moment and make that the focal point make that the part that stands out the most make that the part that that you end the page on or you end the scene on or you end the chapter mm-hmm. on and just find mm-hmm. that part that feels the best you know and yeah. and that's where you cut it you know right mm-hmm. yeah natural kind of like. <gasps> moments in the story and you you can kind of end them around the gasp the gasp to optimize the gasp um i'm gonna give you an example so there were two separate at least two there's probably more that i'm not thinking of but there were two separate chapters at least of toki demons where somebody could kill or spare someone (laughs) (laughs) a weapon you know and they're like and there was one case where I mean, the, the more obvious cliffhanger is, you know, the fingers trembling on the trigger, right? And then it's like, come back next week to find out if this person shoots this person with this <laughs> gun. Um, I mean, that's the natural cliffhanger, right? Like, at this person will never die. There was another case where the, the end of the chapter was that, and then this person killed somebody, and then it ended. Because in that case, well, first of all, it's a little bit less cliche because you can't have the same cliffhanger over and over. Mm-hmm. Secondly, in that case, the fallout from that murder mm-hmm. was more interesting than whether or not that person was murdered. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes, like, in the context of your story, there's going to be certain things that are cliffhangers in a very particular way that might not make sense outside of your story. Like, wouldn't work in another story. But if it's what what is the part that is going to make people the most kind of like shocked mm-hmm. and also they need to know what happens next mm-hmm. you have to optimize that mm-hmm. um and some like we were talking about orange junk doing really good lulls in conversation um there have been there were plenty of those that you did they were also just somebody was trying to get the the nerve to talk to somebody mm-hmm. um you know somebody you know, found a letter saying, come, come meet me. Those are just the conversation cliffhangers. You had a bunch of other ones too with, they yeah. always, you know, there was the, <laughs> the male modeling arc where there was kind of like, <laughs> the, the post can be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Kind of, 
Yeah, who's gonna um, win? But yeah, I, things like that. But <laughs> I, I also think that with Orange Junk, there are certain chapter ends that don't end so much on a cliffhanger, but they end when the chapter feels complete. Mm. And mm, that's yes, a really, that's... you know, a lot of times it will end on a particularly profound, like line of dialogue, or you know, yeah. you know what I mean, something that that makes you feel kind of peaceful and happy or something that yeah. is kind of profound or gives you a different insight into somebody's personality or something like that. And I feel like, again, like it's, it's not like a shocking cliffhanger. It's something that just leaves a big emotional impact and kind mm -hmm. of rounds out everything that already happened. And, you know, I think particularly because, you know, Orange Junk is obviously a romantic comedy uh, mm -hmm. that kind of thing works because you're not going there because, I mean, Tokyo Demons is kind of a thriller. So mm -hmm. for Tokyo Demons, you're going there being all like, oh my god, the twists and the turns and what's who's on whose side and who's a traitor and what's going on and who's going to die and blah, blah, blah. And so ending it on those cliffhangers where you're shocked and you're upset and all that kind of thing is what works for that kind of story. But I think that for something that's more slice of life and more romantic and that kind of thing, ending it where you just feel content and it feels like it's naturally come to a good ending point that makes you mm. happy and you want to read the next part because there's going to be developments but mostly you want to have that feeling again where you feel good about what you're reading you know all right mm. and i had some well i remember before i got in, into sparkler i had longer chapters and some of those i just i was just writing my scripts with no real um ending so when I was told that I would, I needed to shorten my chapters to 20, 16, 20 pages, I was like, oh God, mm, let me see. I have to, to quit <laughs> my scripts so that it, they fit into 20, in the 20 pages. So I had to find the exact moment that, in that would create a good ending or a good cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. It was kind of difficult. But, but I think it's really important, as you mentioned, because it, it creates um, the feeling that you need to know what's going to happen next or, or as you mentioned, the, the emotional ending and everything. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think it's kind of a challenge, but, but I think it, it, got, it, uh, it brings really good, um, um, I don't know, it brings really good conclusions. I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did a great job because it felt yeah. effortless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that it looks that way. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another um, comic that's... I mean, we talk about how great all the people who work for us are. Yeah, have you um, noticed that we're I, fans of these guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always really loved the uh, chapter breaks in... Winrose. Mm. Um, the pacing on that, I mean, Kosen, they've been doing this forever, and they've been working in sort of chapter style um, in books as well, but you know, they, they clearly take a lot from the manga tradition and chapters, but their their chapters have been basically the exact same length like <laughs> throughout, you know, for several years of serialization, somewhere in the 21 to 22 page uh length now we're running half trapped chapters so it's like 10 or 11 but it's literally just halved um so they added more cliffhangers but it <laughs> it always it was just it was like so 
perfect, like a, like a TV episode, you know, hit all mm-hmm. the notes and ended on a cliffhanger. Just mm-hmm. like you could set your watch to it. I, I was so into that. And um, I, I love Wayne Rose, obviously. Another person who's very good at um, doing kind of serial uh, style, uh, Jen Doyle and Knights Errant can do that in four pages, mm-hmm. which is really right. hard. <laughs> um but you know they had started doing you know relatively short uh, well the, their chapters are quite long but they would do the chunks and uh, sparkler they started doing sort of um you know eight eight nine pages or so in a chunk and then there were times where they had to cut their schedule down and they were like okay i can do like four and they were doing four page chapters for a little while but that four still managed to like pack a punch <laughs> In fact, I think one of the first four-page chunks they did for us had the first kiss, which, um, you know, they, they, it was kind of an in, you know an interesting eight pages, but it was cut in half, and I was like a little concerned because I'm like, is four pages really enough to run the magazine? Mm-hmm. The first four pages were were really great, and the next four, I was like, uh, I don't know. And then they added a kiss, and that that four-page chapter ended up being like, I think the most popular page of that comic of all time. <laughs> And, like, all these people bought that issue for those four pages because, oh, my God, those four pages. So (laughs) you can really – and they did this multiple times. Like, that that one happened to kind of break the internet. But um, Mm -hmm. they've run a bunch of four-page chapters where it's just kind of like a a bite-sized chunk, but there's, like, a hot pepper in it. You're like, whoa! You know? (laughs) And that's kind of all you need, you know? Mm. (laughs) So have have either of you guys written more traditional, like – I mean, I know I know Leanne's written a couple of uh, novels when she was young, and now she's embarrassed of them. But I don't know if you've written anything other than like a short story that's been kind of complete. What about what about you, Heldred? Have you have you done any comics that have been like in a different format, not serialized? Just yeah, actually, I have two. Let's call them one shots. Mm-hmm. So the first one, I think it's about forty pages, and the second like seventy pages. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a. Um, short format and I had to think of the beginning the climax and the end that way in the traditional way yeah, mm-hmm. I think so was there anything different about your process for doing that that you you know it's sort of different from how you do orange junk now or uh... well yeah I mean I think mm, I like to continue to explore sh- short format stories because mm-hmm. I think they allow you to to finish a story in a short time mm-hmm. So you can keep um, drawing more stories. I don't know. I have a lot of stories in my head that I would like to to draw one day. <laughs> so in in order to do that, I really have to draw shorter um, stories. <laughs> I think Orange Junk is going to be definitely the only story <laughs> that is so long because I didn't really think that it would be... I think I planned about 45 chapters. I think that's really long, and I'm not sure I'm gonna have the energy to do this again in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think this this was a good exercise for me also to, you know, to do a serialization. But yeah, I think in the future I'm gonna go back to write shorter stories. Mm-hmm. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. You say that now, but you don't know when a story is gonna just sort of get a life of its own and end up, you know, 900 pages. I know, and it happens. I mean, I have these stories that have, like, I don't know, seven main characters or 
eight or and that that's a lot of characters for a short story right you have yeah. to develop every one of them mm-hmm. their backstories and everything so yeah I'm pretty sure I'm gonna end up drawing a long format story again <laughs> I just You're hope I have young. enough years to live for that <laughs> you're not that old <laughs> yeah you've got plenty of years to to dump yourself into these super long <laughs> yeah, projects that won't end I think short stories are so hard. Um, yeah. I think that, I mean, endings are difficult and uh, not like having a satisfying ending is difficult. Having a compelling uh, hook in the beginning is difficult and connecting everything is difficult. So basically you have True. to do all of that in like mm-hmm. a short period of time. Plus it has to have meaning. Great. So like, I, I really like, um, I really like writing short stories, but they're so hard. And I got to say, I don't particularly like reading them that much, mostly mm-hmm. because I i mean, I, I like reading a good one, but mm-hmm. I've read so many not good ones. <laughs> and like, I, I need it to be kind of vouched for me. I need people to be like, OK, this is this is good. Read this one. It's like it, it's kind of like the 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 movie problem where it's like you have an hour and a half to develop it. And most movies aren't very good at, you know. developing things um and a lot of their their uh, you know when you think about kind of hollywood movies like the big budget stuff the you know the stuff that is gonna bring a lot of those the themes of them i kind of hate you know a lot of them are about violence about capitalism about two people arguing until they fall in love like it's just like they're so superficial and creepy (laughs) i guess um that I, I do find that, like, I, I really like serialized TV shows and stuff more than I like movies because I think you, when you have time to develop, because it's, it's easier, right? But there's nothing quite as good as somebody who gets kind of that punch in a short period of time where you read that and you're like winded and oh my God, I'm going to read it again and I can because it's going to take me 20 minutes or whatever. <laughs> um, or a movie that you just kind of watch over and over that you can just show to a bunch of people at a party. You can watch the whole thing. I mean, um like that's really great anybody who can kind of do that like more power to you um they're also i think they're very easy to sort of market because when you're in in our business right we're working with a lot of relatively unknown people (laughs) relatively unknown to the broad swath of the internet you know like because Mm -hmm. it's not like back in the day where if you were doing a comic you were through one of the you know major publishers now it's like it's you versus how many billion people are there on earth now? Seven? Like, yeah, like nobody knows <laughs> who the hell you are. Yeah. Um, and even if you have a publisher backing you up, Sparkle's a relatively small publisher. So like people, you don't know if it's, if it's going to be good. Right. Um, and shorts are a really good way to lob out into the internet and be like, Hey, this is a five minute, you know, it, this is going to take five minutes out of your time to see if you like the way that this person creates. Um, it also, it's really good for things like anthologies where you can sample a bunch of creator stuff at once. Um, I think there's a lot of appeal to, I mean, I think in many ways people enjoy working in anthologies more than they like reading them because I think, um, the collaboration of a lot of people's stuff, like every anthology is going to have a mix of good and bad things, right? There's some stuff you're going to like, some stuff you don't, and they're going to be people of different quality levels. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really great to see them come together and all try to do a theme. And a lot of people who buy an anthology, they buy it for the two or three short stories that they like. They buy because there's a creator they like who's in it. They like the theme, whatever the case is. Um, 
because I think writing short stories as an exercise is really valuable, more valuable than reading a short story as a consumer. Personally, that that's just that's a yeah. very subjective thought that I have on it. But I I like when people do it. Um, I, I find it really fun, even though I don't read except for, you know, of course, they're the good ones, the really good <laughs> ones. And, and that I'm so impressed when someone does that. Uh, most of the time it's, yeah, I'm just kind of sampling different creators. And if they did a short that I liked, then I go look for a long form piece of work that they did, yeah. which I enjoy consuming more, but that's just me. But also I think many of us creators and uh, that draw comics, mm -hmm. sometimes we think about what we are going to offer in, you know, um, in conventions like Tika mm -hmm. for, so, so you, sometimes people, like to buy the cheaper stuff, like something mm -hmm. that that's about five or ten dollars, and that's when you think, well, if I create a short story, then I can make it a zine or a zine. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. And it's a short story that people can buy, and then they can, that way, um, know get to know about my my work, my art, and my stories, and then come back for more. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Think, exactly. Uh, Logistically, I feel like the short story is so much value creatively and logistically <laughs> yeah. um, that it's it's just it, it, it's so it's so important as a medium, even if it's really difficult to do well. And I think in general, it's one of the, you know, maybe one of the less enjoyed. I don't know. Do you, do you know people who really like reading short stories? I know that traditionally like in the book market anthologies really struggled a lot uh, mm -hmm. it's changed with the internet because anthologies well first of all there've been some really cool anthologies and they're targeting different markets but um but also they're sometimes you can just read one story online and then you're like okay I'll buy the whole anthology like they're easier to market online too mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think i think anthologies have been have done really well on things like kickstarter simply because instead of one artist selling to their fans it's like 30 artists mm -hmm. selling to their fans so it's right. just it's just right. a, a case of scale you know i mean not to not to put down anthologies in general because there've been some really really wonderful ideas and really wonderful things but personally and i think a lot of people do agree like with what you were saying that if I really want to get into something, I'm going to read something long form, you know, and something you mm -hmm. kind of, it just, it, it sticks more in your memory. It sticks more in your brain, mm -hmm. you know. And there have been some anthologies. I mean, there's also the difference between a good anthology and a bad anthology, right? Like, um, you can tell which anthologies had strong editors, had, you know, uh, they, they really kind of. They, they cultivated their talent well. They chose talent well. The theme was good. Uh, the people who were working in the theme really liked it. Because there's a difference, for sure, between a good anthology and a bad anthology. That's the other thing that I think has changed. Um, the internet has made really interesting people from very different places meet up. And you can have a really interesting anthology when you have that like long... That, that distance between people is shortened and they're they're coming together in a collective idea. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't want to bash the anthology as a format. I, I don't read them for pleasure all that much. Um, mm. But I just, I really love that they exist. <laughs> I will say that for short stories that I, as a consumer, I personally like the most, I love short stories that tie into something bigger. I think that, to me, that is the ideal way for me to read a short, where it's like if I'm following... I mean, it's like a bonus chapter in a manga, right? Where it's like you're reading this really yeah. long serial and they have this extra chapter where it's like, this is the Hot Springs episode. Well, 
Okay, those oh, are right. <laughs> maybe not a good example, but <laughs> but it's it's like everybody who has. I mean, think about how so many shows did like the musical episode, oh, you know, right. <laughs> where it's like that that one thing that maybe you watched that musical episode a thousand times, but the reason that you liked it was because you knew the characters, you knew the mm-hmm. settings. True. Um, mm-hmm. So it was so, it's so much easier to like ingest a short story if it's a shorter way for you to enjoy something bigger that you like. Also, people tend to rate those a lot better because they're easier. You don't have to build. Mm-hmm characters and an idea from nothing so basically yeah. fanfic that's what you're talking about is fanfic yep basically <laughs> so oh. that's that's my fave so yeah <laughs> just personally yeah you have a point short stories are also kind of difficult to market i mean yeah i mean it's it's all about where you're marketing because i think you're right that yeah. at a convention it's the perfect thing yes, to have exactly uh yeah. it's just like you know and, and, and i mean also those of us who are working in the book industry or you know in any capacity you know that volume one sells and then volume two uh-huh. sells less and volume three sells less than yeah that. and exactly. it's like you know like like the longer something goes on the less well the later ones sell so it's like, where's that sweet spot? Is it like three volumes? Because three volume things are yeah. great, you know? And just, I don't know. It really depends. <laughs> I think, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, oh, no. Uh, well, I was thinking that maybe a perfect story would be a short one that has maybe four or five chapters that condense into a single volume. Mm. Yeah. Think those are, are good stories. Sometimes. Yes. Uh, a one volume work like a you know a novel a a comic Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. in those tend to be a nice compromise like you get a lot of the Mm -hmm. the value of of the logistical you know it's not a big commitment for readers Mm -hmm. it's not going to take a whole lot of their time but it's but it's Mm -hmm. got development you know Mm -hmm. um i mean a lot of novels are are kind of written like that like they're they're trilogies and and stuff like obviously there's some that start being a series but the average novel is a is a one shot and maybe they'll do another one later Mm -hmm. um but it was built as build as kind of one story yeah it's a little bit more of a commitment but it's a kind of a nice balance (laughs) well this is the case this is a case where comics and prose are very different because the amount of story you can fit in one volume of comics is a lot less than the amount of story you can fit in one volume of prose just because of the way that they're created because you know words can be condensed yes. down more than pictures you know yes mm. uh, sort of like I-, I agree with you generally yeah the, the, there's a level of um kind of story and dialogue detail and stuff that you can fit way more in a, in a in prose than in in comics but there's you know the picture's worth a thousand words <laughs> mm. there's a different kind of detail that you can get across much faster in visuals than you can in prose so i think it kind of depends on no no how... i'm just i'm just saying like you know i mean think about literally any novel that you've read and i mean just in terms of printing you can print a novel yeah. on crappy miserable paper mm-hmm. or make it an ebook and nobody cares but a comic mm-hmm. you have to have a certain level of quality just yes. to make it readable and, oh yeah and just you know like like I, I know you're saying, like, obviously they're, you know, the, the whole, like, which medium conveys certain kinds of information, that's a debate we could talk about for a million years. Oh, yeah. But, like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of just, I think, like, a page of prose can move the action along further than a page of comics almost all the time. That's just kind of understood, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and also prose novels do tend to be longer than comics. Like a one-volume comic work um, is usually somewhere in the like 150 to 250 range. That's considered quite short for a novel. Usually they're... uh, Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, because of the the printing, like the 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 level of printing you need to particularly, and it becomes even more when you need color. Well, and also... It's just like... Yeah, and how how long it takes to make. I mean, one thing we can definitely agree with is that Doing a hundred page of comics and a hundred page of prose, you, you can't compare <laughs> so how much different. longer no. comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, when I'm stuck like in a corner and I'm like, shit, I gotta write this thing. The deadline is tomorrow. Like if I had to churn out five thousand words in a day, or well, mm-hmm. more like two days, mm-hmm. like I, I can do that. But you can't fucking do that. You can't churn no. out a chapter of comics in a weekend. No. I mean, no. people are super spoiled that way. <laughs> or God forbid, yeah, audio. Sure. I mean, like, there's, there's certain things that you can crunch and certain things that you sort of can't crunch. And mm-hmm. prose is great great for crunching because you get the, the, especially if you're pretty good at typing, like if you're pretty fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to just the really laborious work of, of drawing and Sketching and inking and and oh yeah, it's a whole process. Whole oh, <laughs> time. I mean, I'm like I'm such a procrastinator. The, the number of times I have had to write five thousand words on a weekend, like there's no way I could do comics. I don't know how <laughs> you stay so on top of things, Heldred. My God, <laughs> aspiration. I should I should be a little more like you. I should yeah. learn at your feet, really. And I'm usually better uh, at working. Under pressure, but mm-hmm. with comics, I learn to work as soon as I can and just pace myself because mm-hmm. otherwise, I can't imagine myself like crunching in a weekend. No, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, just not doable. Just yeah, so exactly. so we kind of went off topic a little bit here, but I just wanted to bring it back around to serialization. And I know you guys both have both talked about feedback from people. Oh, and uh, does that change what you're doing ever? And if it does, how? Like, how, how do you let feed when, when your when your story is coming out on a schedule? How do you let people's feedback affect what you're doing? Well, I used to really care about that. Um, I remember uh, once with a previous story that I was doing, I really changed a big part of my story because of a comment that I got. And Ooh. then I kind of re- reread it because I read it because then I realized that if I had stuck with my original ideas, I think the story would have wrapped up better. Mm. But I let myself, um, I don't know, be become influenced by what I read. And I, because of that experience, I learned not to to be too influenced by what uh, readers comment now. I mean, it's important because that way I I know if they're enjoying my work. But lately, I'm trying not to get too, how do you say, um, to let it get to me too much as, mm-hmm. as it did before. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm kind of the opposite. I, I have a lot of difficulty creating in a vacuum. It's really important for me to to hear what people think. And, and it doesn't always have to be, like, the general public. It can just be, you know, I work... Becca has been my collaborator forever. <laughs> um, 
but like there were times where I had to do something without any feedback and a, it was way like just really boring for me to like, just now eh, let's do it and throw it in the darkness, you know? Um, but also because it's hard for me to gauge some stuff sometimes. Like my tendencies are when I write are really weird. Like the stuff that, <laughs> well, the stuff that I think is interesting, the stuff that I think is like cool or, or sexy or uh, intense or, like, other people are like, you're a fucking creep. <laughs> and, and it's important for me to know that, like, maybe I'm a little bit of a deviant in some of this stuff. Like, d- tile it back. Um, case in point. So we were, uh, just before this podcast, I was listening to some of Sparkler's other audio. And I was listening to Bad Chemistry, which was that situation CD mm-hmm. that, I don't know if people have heard it. I mean, I, I think some people have. Uh, where it's like you, the listener is part of the story. So there's like a guy, it's basically you're in college and your grumpy lab partner falls in love with you. It's like 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And that was something I remember being really bored when I wrote it. Cause like, I wasn't allowed to go off the rails. <laughs> I hadn't heard it in so long and I was listening to it. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cute. Like, but I can see why it just like went right out of my brain. Cause it, Nobody, like, turned out to be secretly siblings so that this was incest. Like, it, nobody, like, <laughs> waddled on anybody else's head. You know, like, the, the fights were kind of reasonable. And then people had a... They made up and it just had a conclusion. I mean, <laughs> things that I all struggle with. And, and I also discovered that... I really don't know how to write stuff that's happy. No, and, and you this don't. <laughs> oh my god! It made me do a lot of soul searching about like what is wrong with me that that <laughs> they be kind of bad to be interesting. Um, and you know, your Anne Ice kind of changed my mind on a lot of that stuff because you know the the election news was just so terrible. Like I, I hadn't been thrown into a funk about the world. Um, quite as profoundly as that as I can remember um which shows you how privileged a life I've led but like I, it wasn't until sort of the election where I was like I don't think the best about humanity anymore <laughs> like I feel like I I feel acutely how terrible everything is and that like I was hoping that people were better than this and they're not um and after that point I definitely was, I saw the appeal of sort of happy things um, because I needed an escape from that as opposed to my life being very happy. And so my escape was bad things, you know? Yeah. So stuff like that, I I really would not have known until people, you know, in the comments or on Twitter were like, cripes, can anybody be happy? And I'm like, oh, don't be silly. Why would, wait a minute. You're right. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. All I'm going to say is every time Leanne gets some kind of, fluff or humor prompt it's always like you you find some way to turn it into like some kind of incredible angst fest with like an abortion subplot or something i'm just (laughs) saying we had this prompt that we were like okay let's do one short story it was for a collection of the smutty tokyo demon stories and like one of them i had kind of a funny prompt and i was like okay let's do this and then you and I were having lunch at like Cheesecake Factory, and I was like, "What if I threw an abortion in there?" And you, you just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I just god. dropped my fork inside because I know, yeah. I know you, I know how your and brain it works. Up, it ended up being the worst, right? Like, like it yeah. was the saddest of all of them. Yep. So not only was it not the break that everyone needed, it somehow dragged things. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and the, I, I the think the term also, is uh, miserotica. Miserotica, yeah. <laughs> Sex where erotica where nobody is happy. Nope. Um, I'm 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 working on that. And some I think some of the newer stuff is a little bit happier. And people commented on that. I'm like, yeah, I'm really trying. <laughs> um, but beyond that, I think like it's really important for me to know where to put my resources because I feel like every word on a page is taking up time. Like you have to use it very carefully and getting feedback for something and took is a great example because it's so long, long and we had really good feedbacks, you know, especially in the beginning we had a ton, but even throughout we had good feedback was knowing what people gave a shit about because like, I don't want to waste words on something nobody cares about mm-hmm. and stuff that I thought was interesting or important. Other people, it wasn't even pinging on them. It was like weird. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like the character of Sachi, like I thought he was stupid, but like he was like <laughs> the Genki one that like moves the plot forward and he was dumb and weird. And like, I didn't really know how to write him. And I'm like, he's the nice guy. It's fine. And then, like, everybody liked him. And I was like, oh, shit. Now he has to be in, like, <laughs> everything. Like, if, if people are coming back week after week to see if he's happy at the end. I'm like, well, fuck. Like, <laughs> stupid. And, like, now I got to do a whole thing. And I couldn't even wrap my own head around him until we got a voice actor him for the audio version. Dove, who did mm-hmm. such a great job performing him. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I can see him as a as a person and not just a plot point. Because totally <laughs> So and, and and stuff like that, like some of the adult characters that people really did not care about. So I took their plot points and took them out. Um, there were some characters whom people liked um, more, you know, or it was like there, I knew there was going to be a character who had to move this point forward. And it was like originally I was going to have this person do it, but this person is way more popular. Why don't I just use them like and, and integrate it better? These are the relationships people care about. Um, the shipping changed a little bit too. Like the characters who were getting with other characters changed based on sometimes me a little bit, my feelings as I was actually getting in there. I wanted an organic development where I'm like, you know, these two get along really well. Why aren't they making out? Let's just add a part where they make out. Oh, Maybe. you just you just added as much sexual attention as you possibly could. Like, you know how Leanne says she gets bored a lot? Like <laughs> half the time it means you're gonna add something horrible. The other time it means you're gonna add some weird sexual hang up for somebody. Like, yeah. <laughs> I I had to use my editorial veto on a couple of things. (laughs) So anyway, that's the long way of saying, yes, I I cared a lot about what, how people were receiving it. Um, And that said, I I like your point, Heldrad, that sometimes if you listen to the wrong person, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you compromise. It's not just compromise the art, although I think that's important to some people. They don't want to compromise the art for the sake of popularity. But also it, Sometimes somebody gets under your skin and you change it to please a person Mm -hmm. and not because that was what was right for the story. And I think being able to parse out the comments that you think, you know, there's a lot of validity to this point. I really like this point. It's really resonating to me. I feel like they get the story versus the Mm -hmm. people who are just complaining about whatever, you know, like I've never had a lot of people who just came to harass me because they didn't like this. Okay, in the manga industry, they did. But, like, <laughs> in my original stuff, nobody came and was like, oh, I really hate this one thing. Um, and I felt like they were totally baseless. That was very rare to get someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, you know, if, like, let's say there's a character who's being evasive. If one or two people are frustrated with them, that makes sense. If everybody is frustrated with this guy, it's like, okay, then he 
he's too frustrating. Like he's too frustrating to read. Make him less frustrating. Like <laughs> you know, just I don't want people to be annoyed. I don't want them to leave. I don't want them to be mad. I don't want them to be skipping through pages of the book to get back oh, to their favorite character. True. Because again, using myself as a model of the person with the shortest attention span of all time, <laughs> there are shows where I fast forwarded parts to get to the character I actually gave a shit about. Okay, because this is make fun of Leanne day, I'm gonna just say that like watching a show from the beginning with Leanne when she's watched it and she wants you to watch it, it's like the most frustrating thing ever because you always want to skip the beginning, you always want to skip right to the fun parts, but nobody else had any build up so we don't know what's going on. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't need to watch episode one. I'm like, I did every time you've said that it's been a lie. I always needed to go back and watch episode one. Well, I I kinda like jumping into things halfway through and then going back and seeing the beginning later, but just again, the attention span. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch shit with me. This is the this is the, the subtitle of this um episode. Why not to watch things with me? I'm sorry. It's funny because I haven't you know, Tokyo Divas has been on kind of a big hiatus, but it's you know, it's coming back fairly soon and so we haven't had that writer-editor relationship for a while, but it's coming back, and now I'm making fun of you again, so, you know. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's easy and fun. I can't help yeah. it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Heldred, how did you know that the... Like, why did this comment get under your skin, the one that you were well, talking about? It was something like, uh, I made this character do something, and then they were like... It doesn't make sense. I bet it's because of this and and they made an assumption. And then I thought that their assumption was the correct thing to do. So I oh. went away with it. Yeah, I I listened and I, th- I, I was thinking, oh, no, I don't want to be seen as a stupid. And his oh. conclusion makes sense. So maybe I should change it. But then I was like, oh, no, but now it, it looks it doesn't look like how I was picturing it. And. But now mm. it's done, and I can't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, <laughs> it can be helped. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you learn, really, from that. Yeah. yeah. And now I remember there was this page of Orange Junk where something really moving was going on with Luis's family. And then someone comments and says something like, this is getting lame. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> but this yeah. is a moving moment with their family. Okay, there's not much action going on, but I think it's important. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the double-edged sword of, of serialization is that <laughs> if you have comments coming in, it can make you second-guess yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, either Well, I shouldn't even just say through comments, but... The process of serialization, having all that time to think about it, mm-hmm. sometimes you can get into a bit of a loop. Where uh, you're like, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, why don't I do it this way? No, I should do it this way. No, I had to braid the first. Ah, you know, True, like, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it doesn't suit everybody. <laughs> yeah, there was there was some, one of the other artists that we know. I, I, there was a situation not too long ago where it was just you know, uh, where there was something they were building up to in a scene. And the first part of the scene looked really bad. And I think this has happened to a lot of people when they're trying to put, when they're trying to talk about 
complicated subjects or they're trying to do something where a character is unlikable or that the fans mm-hmm. aren't going to like, but they have a resolution in mind. But the problem mm-hmm. with serializing a page at a time was that, like, it's like, oh, well, this is going to be resolved in four pages, but that's a month from now, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. where yeah. where when you're, you're dealing with a sensitive topic and it's hard, to, you know, like, you don't want people to think you're doing something awful with this and then they stop yeah. reading mm-hmm. and so you're worried about their reaction because you can't have the payoff yet just because you gotta draw the pages <laughs> or you know yeah, yeah. and you're no. like please wait please yeah. wait it's gonna get yeah. better I mm-hmm. promise <laughs> yeah. yeah that that definitely happened at Sparkler pretty recently honestly I can no. think I can think of like I mean, mm-hmm. there were parts of More Tokyo months, Demons yeah. that were like that. There were parts of a number of people's comics that were like that, where you're just like, you gotta trust me. Like, just hang on a little longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gauntlet had a period like that, too. I remember that a lot of people sort of failed out because they didn't like... The, you know, it was the, the, the part where she's supposed to kind of make a mistake and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And all people saw was the mistake coming and mm-hmm. didn't... And they were like, "This, I know she's gonna do this and it's so dumb and I'm just done. Where it's like, mm-hmm. no, it got really good after that. I mean, yeah. I feel a little bit like the whoever's read Death Note. There's like the volume eight of Death Note syndrome mm-hmm. where it's like there was two big arcs in the, the mm-hmm. story. And admittedly, the first arc volumes one through I think it was one through seven with L are um, better than the second mm-hmm. arc. But yeah. there was a lot of good stuff in the second arc. It's just the second arc started really kind of weakly, especially mm-hmm. No one had expected the first arc to kind of end the way that it did. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people who kind of stopped reading it at that point. Um, mm-hmm. I personally, I stopped following One Piece at the first death, which is aging me now because that was like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but I'd always gone to, to One Piece as a, like an escape, you know, for, for something happy. You know, one of the rare things that I went to because it made me happy. Mm-hmm. Um and it was about happy people. And yeah. I knew that Rufy got emotionally devastated by this death. And I couldn't watch Rufy be sad. Oh. So, and I was like, can I skip yeah. this part? Whatever. And I just kind of dropped it. And I, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen, you know, I've seen some One Piece after that. But, like, I yeah, I stopped following it for years because of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tricky. Tricky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's you true. never know. Yeah. And, and, and I think... Like, <laughs> some people put it down when they don't like something so it's it, it's more obvious i think in serialization because people have to wait so they're yeah. like i'm not gonna wait. I don't they, they have to actually come back that's the thing yeah. you have to actually bring them back somehow yeah. and it's true mm-hmm. that like you get somebody gets a little bored and they just don't bother until they yeah. you know see the fan art of such and such kissing or whatever and you know like mm-hmm. I, I i and i think sometimes it makes people impatient because yeah. you know thinking about the example of orange junk like I really like the stuff with Louise's family. I think that mm-hmm. her family relationship is really interesting. It's really, you know, there's there's a there's a really interesting dynamic there. There's there's a lot of plot stuff there that's really cool, but if you're in it for the romance, mm, it right. can, yeah. it can feel like you're wading through that point whereas if you had the whole book in front of you, I think you can sometimes mm-hmm. enjoy skip. those things more. <laughs> or even well, yeah, yeah, not even skip, but like when you know you're not waiting, because it's like the idea that if there's a 20-page chapter and it's just about the uh-huh. family and Bruce doesn't appear and what you uh-huh. really want is for Louise and Bruce to kiss, then yeah. even if those 20 pages about the family are really well done, they're not 
pushing toward the goal that you're waiting for you know yeah, yeah. and and I, I felt that way about things where like even even sometimes like something that's very thrilling and I read it a second time and all of a sudden I I appreciate all the subplots more because the first time around I was like well when are they gonna kiss or yeah. find the thing mm-hmm. or you know what I mean like like it's it's just uh it's sort of like where is your energy being spent and how how much can you appreciate it when you're not concerned about where you're going I guess yeah yeah it's true um I think people receive it they receive it differently um depending on kind of their the the mode at which they are taking this in if it's like over a long span of time or a short period of time or a second read through those are all different experiences your 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 mood is different what you go into it what you mm-hmm. take out of it is different um that's why i like stuff that has really good read throughs like uh, sorry reread value i mean mm-hmm. um where you can go back and read it a second time and get other things out of it uh it it's hard to do it in such a way where it's not you know uh that's hard like you're kind of working on two levels there you want to get people like for example you know moving things quickly mm-hmm. like you were saying to, so people know what happens next but then going back uh, magical how is a good example if you go back and reread it you see all these hints of stuff that's going to happen that's a really good way to do it uh, um i think there's also you can do that with character moments where um you know the characters are moving towards a, an end goal and and the bigger arcs but there can be all kinds of like little arcs that are kind of secretly stuffed in to, to sections where somebody will say a line um, or do a thing that it really is very indicative of what kind of person they are or who they're going to become. But it happens so quickly that you kind of it doesn't bog stuff down mm. the first time you're reading it. And the second time you're reading through it, you're like, oh, my God, I never noticed that. Yeah. Like, this <laughs> like there it is. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. I love rereading stuff like I literally when I'm reading something I really enjoy, I get to the end and I just start at the beginning again. Like a lot. No. <laughs> because because You're so, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> is that cute? I don't know. It's like a normal thing. It's a normal it's thing that normal people do, right? <laughs> I don't usually do that. <laughs> no, neither do I. <laughs> I always do that. Well, because it's the thing is like particularly if something ends really well, but I still want to read more of it. And then you get so much more out of it the second time because you know where everything's going. And if you like the characters, then you get to like spend more time with them and see how they develop again. And it's, I don't know, I really like doing it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Oh. I like I like reading parts that I liked over. In fact, sometimes, especially when I was younger, I would want, I would like rewind it and just watch it over and over and over. Like if it had really struck with me, like I wanted to memorize every moment of yeah, it. Yeah, I've done that. I'll go read the same yeah. couple pages again because I like them so much. I do that a lot mm. too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> speaking of sparkler, sparkler stuff, the the last like minute and a half of a week, I've listened to like fifty times the um, not the epilogue, but the the I mean anybody who I'm not gonna spoil it, but anyone who's listened to a week knows that it's got an ending with a capital <laughs> E. Um, but you did such a good job with that, Becca, and, and the performance and and just like the way just the final line is delivered by an actor i will not say because i don't want to even come close to spoiling this that just like the last line and and kind of the last minute and a half leading up to it is just so beautifully performed it gives me chills and uh, so many times where i'm just 
I don't know. Listen to it again. I I'm, I just loved your work on Awake so much. I listen to that a lot. Aww. Well, that's very yeah. sweet of you. But also, yeah, I, I think you're was... kind of messed up to listen to that part over and over. Well, because it, I'm sorry, that was really mean. That got a big emotional reaction. Like I, I yeah, want to like yeah. it, I want to imprint that that reaction in my brain so that I can recall it when I need that reaction again. You know, like chills or getting excited about something or. Oh, well, I mean, right. I, I've read chapters six through eight of Tokyo Demons number one a lot of times. And let's just say that that, that recent chapter where you know what happened in Orange Junk, I read that several times. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't consider rereading Sparkler stuff to be, uh, like, that's not me being, I don't know, adorable or whatever you guys were saying, because that's my job. <laughs> I have to just go reread all your stuff all the time. It would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know like yeah you gotta you gotta read stuff again sometimes <laughs> anyways and then when something is serialized sometimes when the new chapter comes out you read or watch everything before then again to get yes. yourself ready for it that's true that's yeah, something i like, <sighs> i definitely and i used to do that with like uh sailor moon and stuff where i would watch the episode before to get all revved up you know it's like mm-hmm. oh the new episode's in half an hour and so- mm-hmm. <laughs> god i love cereals so much you see, we're just all like giant media junkies and oh god <laughs> i know i want that that regular hit of pleasure mm. like cereals all the way like serialize my funeral you know like <laughs> 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 i'm gonna go down with this this is gonna be my thing so your, your funeral is gonna be like a four-part like miniseries <laughs> is that what we're saying <laughs> and like you open the coffin and no one's there that's the end of part <laughs> that's that's quite the cliffhanger it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good right yeah <laughs> <sighs> Alright, on that happy note, <laughs> maybe we should wrap this up. Do you guys have any anything else you want to add? Um, no, not really. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Leanne, anything? No, no, that's... Don't make me say anything after. That was my best ending so far. Alright. <laughs> anyway. Happened? Okay, so next episode in Sparkler, find out what happened to my corpse. <laughs> 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 on that note anyways thank you all so much for listening uh thank you guys both for being here it's been a really interesting time <laughs> and we will be back next month with another podcast with some yay. people on it yay <laughs> you call that a cliffhanger shut yeah. up <laughs> hey this is improvised i didn't have time to go back and edit it so i'm useless <laughs> anyways goodbye bye, bye. <laughs>